Our vision is to give every baseball player around the world the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, respond to the message, and grow in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This is the Training for an Eternal Crown podcast with Full Count Ministries. Hey, I'm so glad that you stopped in. This is the second episode of an eight-week study that we're going through in First and Second Peter. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, I encourage you to go click that. That is the, the one before this one. And uh, that's where I introduced Chad, the, the man who has taken us through this eight-week study. And uh, this is supplemental material to the the book study that we're doing together over 56 days so if you haven't picked up that book i encourage you to go to the website and order that or follow along in our app and if you haven't don't downloaded the app uh shame on you no uh just go download that right now and uh you can go through the study with us so so glad that you're here i'm going to turn it over to chad and he's going to talk us through first peter chapter two Hello, Full Count. This is Chad Hutton. In the reading plan, we are in 1 Peter chapter 2. Remember, Peter is that old, bombastic fisherman that had a loud mouth that was rough and tough. Yet, when he was tested, when Jesus Christ was on trial, he fell. He denied Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. But Jesus restored him kind of the ringleader of the disciples. Uh, He had a a sermon that he gave at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. 3,000 people became Christ followers because Jesus worked with him, trained him, equipped him, uh, didn't give up on him. And that should give us hope. And um, we should be able to identify with, with Peter. Remember, Jesus Christ is like the player manager owner he uh he owns it all but he manages the team but he also gets out on the field and he shows us how it's done in uh chapter one kind of as a recap we notice that uh peter is writing to people about 30 years after jesus's ministry and these are individuals that are in churches in several provinces in northern asia minor which is now modern day turkey And he calls them elect exiles. God chose them, but remember, this is not their home. Earth is not their home. They're just passing through. Talks about the blood of Jesus, how to turn suffering into worship. They had been persecuted. The uh, Christ followers in the first century, many times they were made fun of. Sometimes they may have lost their job. Sometimes maybe the government came in and took all their stuff, put them in jail. And Peter's saying, hey, stand your ground. Know who you are. Know whose team that you're on. Know your coach. Uh, he says that uh, when you suffer, you got to worship through it. So because of this, uh, he talks about how uh, we're reborn. We're reborn because of God's goodness, God's grace and mercy. Remember going back to the early days of Peter. Uh, Peter didn't leave his fishing business 
to find Jesus. Jesus came and got into his boat. We're his. And just like with Peter, we're on the team Jesus. And even when we suffer, he is with us in the boat of our life. But we're going to have testing. Our faith is going to be on trial. And uh, he's going to, Jesus Christ is going to hold on to us. But what now? Now that we have this new identity, now that we are reborn, how do we live? And he talks about how most of these people that he's writing to, they were Gentiles. Most of them were not Jewish. They didn't have the heritage of the nation of Israel. But they're still called to represent God the same. They're called to love. They're called to be light. They're called to be purified. And they're called to depend on the word of God. So, Chapter 2, 1 Peter, because we're reborn, because of God's mercy, because of his grace, because of his undeserving favor, we've got to be prepared for spiritual battle. We got to put the past life behind us. We're called to live holy. We're called to love each other. We're not just saved from something. We're saved to something. We're saved to represent the Almighty God. Now, the Apostle Paul likes the term put to death, put to death your sin. But the Apostle Peter right here in the first verse says, put away, put away your sin, put away that evil, vile, disgusting nastiness inside of you. It's kind of like an old, dirty, crusty jock strap. Just, just throw it away, put it away. You don't need it anymore. It can walk by itself. You don't need that old, crusty, dirty jock strap anymore. And he, he, Peter starts going into these sins. Malice. That's where you intend to do evil from your heart, even if nobody else knows it. Deceit. That could be like white lies. People don't even know you're telling all these white lies. You become addicted to, to lying. Hypocrisy. That's living two-faced. Are you a certain way when you're around the church in a different way at work? Are you a certain way when you're around your family in a different way when you're around your friends? Peter's like, don't be like that. Uh, He talks about envy. Are you focusing way too much on others? Are you obsessed with what other people have, what they're like, their status? And slander. Slander. Do you talk trash on the field? You talk trash about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you talk trash about your teammates? So he's saying, you know, when you're going through trials, you're not getting your way. Are you the type of person that wants to throw the ball at a player? Do you want to juice up? So you can hit the ball farther. Do you want to always be on somebody else's team just because they're winning more than your team? And Peter's saying, we can't be like that. We are in Christ Jesus, and we got to put all of that aside. we got to put it away. And what's the solution? He goes back to the Word of God again in verse 2. We've got to crave the Word of God like a newborn baby that can't live without the Word of God. Do you crave the Word of God? Do you wake up in the morning saying, I've got to have the Word of God? Do you go to bed at night saying, before I go to bed, I've got to put myself to sleep, reading a little bit of the Word of God, even just maybe meditating on one verse? This is the only way you're going to grow up in Christ. No Word of God, no growing up. But... As Peter will explain, you can't just read the Word of God. You can't just listen to the Word of God. You must understand it. You must discuss it. What he's trying to say to us and to the readers is we have to know who we are. We have to know our coach, 
and we have to know our identity, and then we have to talk about that. All those in the new covenant, whether they're Jewish or Gentile, they are the new Israel. They are the new people of God. They represent God. And so when we know our place and we go to the word of God, we can discuss it with each other. We can understand the word of God. We can't just read it. This is why discipleship groups are are so important. D groups are important because you get together and you talk through what the word of God is saying. But half the time people are listening to a sermon or they read a couple of verses, they don't even know what it's talking about. And they pat themselves on the back and say, well, I listened to the word of God today. I read the word of God today, but it does no good if you don't know what it's saying and you don't remind yourself of your identity and your status in Christ. And he goes on to say in verse three, if you enjoy God, if you have tasted that he is good, In other words, maybe there's somebody in the audience at one of the churches that is going to get this letter, 1 Peter, and they're hearing this, and maybe they haven't become a Christ follower, and they're hearing all this for the first time. But he's also saying, if you're a Christ follower, you're truly going to want the Word of God. But we need disciple makers. We need guidance. We need accountability. It's like the acronym DNA, Discipleship, Nurture, and Accountability. We've got to get that into our DNA, the Word of God, discipleship, nurture, accountability, because if we've tasted that God is good, we're going to listen to Him. We get to listen to the Almighty God every day through His Word. So if that's true of us, then, verse 4, we're going to draw near to Him. And He starts talking about uh, the living stone. You Remember, Peter's real name is Simon. But Jesus nicknamed him Peter, which is Petros, which means stone. But Jesus was also a living stone. And God chose Jesus to be Messiah. It says that in verse 4, Jesus was precious in God's sight. Do you make Jesus valuable to you? Do you cherish him? Is he everything to you? Because he's everything to the Father. So if he's everything to you, if you've tasted and seen that he's good, you're going to listen to his word. You're going to go to his word. You're going to understand his word. You're going to talk about his word because our new status, verse five, we're like the ancient temple. We're the new priesthood. We're like the sacrificial system. We're living sacrifices. All that in the old covenant, it's all wrapped up in Jesus. And now that we're connected to Jesus, we are that. We are those living sacrifices. We are the new priesthood. We are that temple. The church is not a building. It's us. Jesus is building us up. And sometimes that includes suffering. That obviously includes turning from evil. That's how we're built up. It includes knowing the word of God in order to know God through relationship. You're not just getting facts from the word of God. You're knowing your creator. You know, to the apostle Peter at this time, Scripture was really just the Old Testament to him. So he quotes from it. Isaiah 28, 16, which was written 700 years before Jesus shows up. But it talks about how God is going to send a Messiah. And Jesus is that Messiah. But Peter shows that even in the Old Covenant, God already knew that Jesus was going to be rejected, even by a lot of the Jewish people. So Peter quotes from it in verse 7 and 8. He quotes Psalm 118.22 and Isaiah 8.14. Because even though all around us people are going to reject the Jesus that we love, they're not going to play by, play by those rules. 
They may even betray us. They look like a Christian one day and then they decided, I don't want to worship this guy. I want to worship me. I want to worship my thing, my agenda. Well, we got to know that God predicted that in advance. We cannot let that get to us. We cannot let that get us down. We got to keep playing. We got to keep hitting. We got to keep stealing bases. We got to keep practicing. We got to keep running. We got to keep going through the reps. We can't let it get us down. Even God knew that people would reject Jesus. We got to go back to the word. And he says, Peter says in uh, verse 8, that when people disobey the word, um, it's to their destruction. You know, we can love them, we can pray for them, but if they want to destroy their lives, you know, we got to keep moving because we're worshiping Jesus. And then he goes back, Peter goes back to our status, our identity. He's bringing in terms from the Old Covenant, from the the people of God in the Old Testament, and he's applying it to the church, whether Gentile or Jewish. He's saying that as Christ followers, we're a new race of people. We're chosen. We're king priests. We represent God and we're royalty because we're in Christ. We're set apart, a set apart people group, a, a holy nation. We're God's precious possession. We're his trophy. He wants to show us off. There is nobody in the entire universe more represented than God. And God could step on this planet and say, let me show you what I'm all about because I've been misrepresented. But what does God do? He chooses to correct the misrepresentation through us. We've got to represent him. We've got to change the reputation from God being defamed from God being notorious to God being majestic to Jesus Christ being amazing and worth worshiping because we are his treasured possession. We are his trophy, but we're not just saved from our sins and saved from hell and saved from the mess that we put ourselves in. We're saved so that verse nine, so that we can proclaim Christ We're pulled from darkness into the light, just like the spirit at the beginning in Genesis hovering over the dark chaos to form order and light. The Holy Spirit pulled us out of darkness, pulled Peter right out of that boat so that he could be a fisher of people. He could be on on God's team when really he was on his own team. He, he, He wasn't going in the right direction and he didn't know any better. We are formed by God, chosen by God, reborn by God to represent him well. And then Peter acknowledges in verse 10, most of the people he's writing to, they were Gentiles. They had no connection to God. They were not representing God. But now they're the new Israel by God's mercy. So because of that, they're elect exiles, not on their permanent home, because their permanent home is the new heavens and new earth. So he urges them, verse 11, it's like he's pleading with them, he's begging with them to live their status out, to live their new identity. They've got new jerseys. They're on a new team, so live like it. And it's the winning team. Yeah, they're going to lose a couple of of games along the way. They're going to fail. They're going to have some errors. Everybody does that. But... They can't forget the team they're on. They can't forget the jersey that they wear. They can't forget the great field. It's going to be beautiful that they're going to one day for all of eternity. 
So he urges them to abstain, to turn from their fleshly passions. He was mentioning this in chapter 1, verse 14. He mentions it again. He goes back to it. He's doing this loop. He's talking about the word, then he's talking about sin, then he's talking about their identity. It's all going back and forth because he says you've got to wage war. We, you've got to put to death your passions. This is kind of what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, verse 23. He's not doing what he wants to do. He, he's got to wage war against his sinful nature. So Peter says the same thing. But he, he says, why? Why is this important? Verse 12, because it hurts our witness to the unbelievers. It's like these people are watching us. They don't even care about our team, but they're watching us anyway. And we have an impact on them. So it either hurts our witness or it helps our witness by the way we live for God. And then he starts going into detail. What, what, what are some of the things that can help our witness of God and hurt our witness of God and represent him well and misrepresent him? And he starts talking about, verse 13, submitting to authority. Obviously, he's mainly, mainly talking about the government. So back then in the first century, maybe the government came in. They slapped some of the Christians around. They pushed them in the dirt. Maybe they talked bad about them. Peter's like, well, well, don't play that same game. Don't talk bad about the government. Don't try to steal from the government. Don't, don't try to do something illegal. That, that hurts your witness. He's saying that you got to glorify God by how you submit to the state, submit to the government. But we can pull in any authority. It could be a boss that you have. It could be a parent that's disrespectful to you. It could be a coach that you don't like, but you're on the team. You can't get out of the team. You can't get out of the class that your teacher's disrespectful to all the students. Maybe you're living with some parents that are disrespectful. They're rude. You can't get out of their home. Maybe there's something you see in the Word of God and you don't like it. You're like, God, I don't like this. But God is your coach. Jesus is that manager, owner, player. Submit to that. Submit to that. We are free. We have liberty to submit to God and do the right thing. We're, we're, God did not free us in order to sin. He did not free us in order to do whatever we want. He freed us in order to do the right thing. So we got to honor the authority around us those in positions over us. We got to honor all types of people. We can't just be respectable to people around us or above us. We got to be respectful to the people around us, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. These are our teammates. Maybe they, they, they sin and they, they create an error. Maybe they miss the signals from the coach. They're our teammates. We got to lift them up. We got to encourage them. And obviously, we got to show people that we respect God and that we honor the government around us. But then he talks about servants. What about people that are in a servant role? These are bond servants. These are people that they were either born into this or they entered into this to pay off debt. What if, you, what if they had a master that didn't treat him so well, that was wicked? Peter's saying, listen... The best thing to do is not complain, not gripe, not whine, not slack off in your assignments, but to give God glory in the middle of mistreatment. And he brings Christ in the mix. He's like, look at Christ. Christ was mistreated. He didn't do anything wrong. He was totally pure. He was flawless. But Jesus Christ came to show us how it's done. Now notice this point is so amazing. Out of all the world religions that we hear about, of false gods, um, religions of old, new religions, 
Christ following Christianity is the only worldview where the God entered our world to suffer. It's the only one. He suffered for us. He suffered with us. Remember, again, the manager, owner, player. Jesus came down to suffer for us. He entered slavery, the slavery of this world, the slavery of sin, the slavery of humanity. He's demonstrating how to deal with suffering, how to deal with mistreatment. And Peter goes on to say in verse 22, Christ was flawless. He was perfect. He didn't retaliate when people sinned against him because he totally trusted his Father in heaven. So the question for you is, do you retaliate when people threaten you and disrespect you and they're rude to you? When your teammates turn against you, do you retaliate? Trust your Father in heaven. Give it over to him. Jesus Christ literally died with our sins upon him. So, so that we could die to our own sin. So that we could die to our agenda. It's not about team me. It's about team Jesus Christ. We can put the passions of old to death and live right. Jesus has healed us once for all. So we can live like it now. And it's phenomenal because Peter says that these Gentiles back in the first century, they were like straying sheep. And the great shepherd pulled them in. This great manager pulled them in to protect their soul from the direction they were going down. The worst thing God can do is let us go down the road of hell. We say, God, I want to do whatever I want. I want to, I want to go down the road. I want, to, I want to go down. The worst thing that God could do is let that happen. But he rescued us and put us on his team. So let's take chapter 2 and have a challenge. Now that you know your status in Christ. You're the new temple through Jesus. You're the new priesthood through Jesus, the high priest. You are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, his own possession. Do you live like it? Do you wage war against your sinful nature? Do you lift up your brothers and sisters? Do you respect the authority around you, even if they're not treating you right? Or do you act like a punk? like all the other people that don't know God. Because if you act like a punk, you're not representing God well. Are you going to fail at this? Of course you are. Are you going to have bad days? Of course you are. But then you go back to the word. You remind yourself of who you are in Christ. You remind yourself that one day Peter, he was a punk. But Jesus Christ was patient with him. Jesus Christ renewed him, restored him, redeemed him, gave him chance after chance after chance. And even told him that one day, told Peter that one day he will die for Jesus. Basically encouraging Peter that even though he betrayed Jesus and denied him, he's going to go to his grave dying for him. Do you live like that every day? Do you die for your Lord Jesus Christ? Peter encourages us to keep fighting this fight and go back to the Word every single day. But remember, don't just read it. Don't just hear a sermon. Discuss it with brothers and sisters in Christ. Seek to understand it. Seek to understand the Jesus Christ that you worship. That's good stuff, my friends.
Well, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Chad, for taking us through 1 Peter chapter 2. So looking forward to next week where we dive into 1 Peter chapter 3. Guys, if you didn't hear him, please reach out to somebody else so that you can go through this study with you. Uh, don't let it just pass from one ear and out the other, but let it transform you from the inside out and let it reach your heart, guys. And one way you can do that is talk about this with somebody else. And uh, please go onto the app and yeah, download the app, go into that public messaging channel that we have, the public group and also the Resource Connect group, and we're going to talk about this stuff uh, day by day. So guys, thank you so much. Hope you have a great week. Looking forward to the next. God bless you guys. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Training for an Eternal Crown podcast. You can visit our website for more resources and also find this podcast on all major platforms. Full Count Ministries exists to create disciples using the game of baseball. We are a non-profit ministry, and if you have benefited from this resource, we would encourage you to consider donating to the cause to reach every baseball player with the gospel, giving them the opportunity to respond to the gospel, and then to grow in the relationship with Jesus. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so that you can play a part in accomplishing the mission that God has put on our hearts for baseball players around the globe.